This podcast is brought to you by the new October term at fxphd.com. Once again, we've made a special effort to deliver on the requests of our members, offering new courses in Nuke Studio, Golem Crowd, V-Ray 3, and a new lighting course looking at the use of natural lighting. All of this and more at fxphd.com. You're listening to The RC, your guide to digital cinema, filmmaking, and cutting-edge imaging. Hi, and welcome to this month's RC, episode 145. I believe this is a September issue coming to you exactly one month uh, after the August issue, which in both cases were slightly late. My apologies. This is the uh, podcast covering digital cinematography, where we will be covering all sorts of things coming out of IBC, including Alexas, uh, new GoPros, uh, new Canons, all sorts of new cameras. Wonderful stuff. This is all of the stuff that we uh, discuss, mine, filter, discuss, and of course, uh, go down rat holes over. Um, and I'm joined on the line by my good friend, Mr. Jason Wingrove. How are you, sir? Hello, everybody. I welcome everybody to our conversation post-IBC about the wonderful world of cameras that just got slightly larger. How many freaking cameras have there been? Why? What's what? <laughs> NAB is losing its, uh, NAB losing has its edge, lost its edge to not just IBC, but just to any old time we want to release uh, cameras. Don't worry about having a trade show to announce them. Just go ahead and just launch one regardless, no matter how big or small it is. Well, we, we actually had big cameras and small ones released. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting, actually. Um, yes, very big and very small, including in, in terms of size and also in terms of importance. So maybe we should start off uh, at the bottom end. <laughs> oh, that'd be interesting. What would you define as the bottom end? Uh, Sony, uh, Canon announced the 7D Mark II. Yes, yes. Which, yeah, okay. Next item. No, no, it has a headphone socket. Yeah, that's true. It does have a headphone socket. That's true. Um, I'm you really find one of the main differences. You I think really they down on it. Mm? Are you really that oh, down on it? Oh, look, come on! It's it's stuck in stuck in stuck in time, isn't it? Seriously, look at look at everything that's been announced since, or even from I from from what did they really announce at NAB? Even we've had the A7S, we've had the FS7 from Sony, we've got you know a, a show full of camera announcements, even Leica. You know, there's like a there's, there's a ton of companies shift getting stuff out and and uh, somewhat in in some cases breaking barriers. And seriously, you know, most of the time we're moving on from what was the DSLR revolution and Canon is still stuck making cameras for stills people that have a video function. Okay, we have an $1,800 camera coming out mid-next month, being November, even though this is a September podcast, <laughs> coming out beginning of October. Um, yes, mid-November. And uh, it's got a couple of seven D. Yeah. Right. It's got a GPS in. built in. Yeah, that's true. That's that's probably good. That's quite. That's probably, I, I maybe actually it's quite probably quite a good because I've been sort of searching for a function like that, but not necessarily for filming, but for recing. Uh, I'm hoping that it will do geotagging of photos because I wanted something unlike, say, an iPhone, which will geotag for recies, but a camera like the 7D. It's one minor, I suppose, that I can see off the top of my head. The plus is that it has the same size sensor as essentially uh, in terms of field of view, uh, say Alexa. So it'd be good recce lens if you put a 24 to 70 on that, say, and wander around with your geotagging. Um, Then it's probably a really good good recce stills camera. 
So we've gone up from 18 megapixels to 20, which is not really a lot. Um, we've gone up a little bit in uh, a couple of other aspects, like the ISO is now at, uh, what, uh, 16,000 as opposed to 6,400 before. So uh, maybe it's a bit more of a next-gen sensor and thus maybe perhaps a little less noisy. I don't think the video bitrate or the codec or any of that stuff is, is changed any Perhaps the autofocus they've gone for the the phase phase detect. It, it focus, is it so. is claimed that it is a, a sort of a raw, more robust camera in the sense that um, it's got, for example, better water seals on it. It's like just sort of a better made camera. It's not an underwater camera by any stretch of imagination, but it's like you know it's a, a bit a bit more five D Mark II ish in terms yeah. of its build. Yeah, hmm. um, and I think it can shoot. Uh, 720 up to 60 frames a second now. I think it used to be only half that, right? 30. Right, yeah. So, yeah, but it's it's underwhelming in an age of astonishing cameras, I think is well, the point. Well, it's probably, it's it's incremental differences uh, I, I in, like, as a stills camera. Yeah, I but, do like uh, that it's got a USB 3 port on it. I would like to be able to just plug my camera into my computer and download stuff directly, having to take the card out sometimes. Um, not always, but sometimes. Um, I guess you could say that it's a pre- Cinema EOS camera, yeah, uh, and in well, the, you could say that the seven D Mark One was a pre Cinema EOS camera, and I guess you could say from from a marketing point of view, if you want a video camera, hey, look, we have gone beyond the digit beyond the DSLR revolution. Here's a C one hundred. Here's a C three hundred. So I guess you could say that uh, this is we don't have to maybe look at these cameras anymore to answer the. The video question, they have a solution perhaps for that. And uh, I guess I should just, yeah. Shut the up only thing I'd say is I think the 7D's been out for like about five years, right? And yeah. so f- to have a camera five years on in tech, you would expect it to be more of a jump. Now, maybe that's just the hubris of being spoiled in other markets, but it just, you know, there's obviously no touch screen, there's no fold out screen, there's no, you know, no. really sensationally cool stuff that makes you. I mean, the GPS is good, but I think, you know, we could go a lot further with that. I mean, um, cameras I've, themselves have evolved. It's okay yeah. to say, I guess it's okay to say, well, it's a stills camera. It doesn't need to evolve. But stills cameras themselves have evolved, uh, because, partly because of the video functionality, but just partly because, you know, the whole DSLR construct thing was a part of the whole film process and having to, we couldn't show, we couldn't give film light and the viewfinder light at the same time. But now we we don't have to worry about such things. And you can have a, you can an electronic viewfinder can give you so much information. More, I mean, optical viewfinder is beautiful, of course, uh, but an, a digital viewfinder, it t- essentially, as you are shooting digital, you know, we're not shooting film, we're not guessing exposure anymore. We know exactly what the exposure is going to be, so why not give us a viewfinder that shows exactly what the final image is going to be? If you have a, a wonderful mode in your camera that says black and white or sepia or... or or um, low contrast or high contrast, if you can have picture profiles in your camera, why not have a view in the viewfinder that shows you exactly what that's going to be? If you're going to shoot monochrome, you're getting exactly that. that. Or even even all that fantastic stuff, obviously showing your exposure, giving you an exact exposure all the way through, one less thing to think about. So you don't have to shoot and then chimp and look on the back. You can keep shooting. Um, you don't have to stop to to check your exposure. You can see it right there while you're while you're shooting through the viewfinder. Even little things, horizon indicators. You know, 
there's so much so much more information you can get out of having an EVF and and being able to do exposure uh, focus magnification press a button and, and zoom in just like a you know like a, a, a like like any of the new digital cinema cameras to be able to pop in a double triple quadruple or whatever ten times magnification which you can't do obviously you can only do that with a rear LCD so I think the whole construct of of hanging on to a shutter and a mirror a mirror that flips out of the way and an optical viewfinder is actually it's it's it could be seen as less of a even if it even if you're just doing stills only it could be seen to be less of a stills camera these days don't you think yeah which is why it's sort of competing with the and I don't mean directly I mean as in terms of your your brain space it's competing with the uh, Sony Alpha A7 the A7S would be a bit more expensive than this and has only the 12 megapixels, though, of course, a bunch of other wonderful 4K things. Um, yeah, well, if you want a dedicated stills camera, then you go to the A7R or the A7, which are yeah. 20, over 28 megapixels. And the, I mean, uh, the, the A7S the R's, is... The R's 36, right? And 36, the A right. is 24. Yeah. Which I is mean, about the same as the 20 in the Canon. The S is exactly whatever 12, whatever megapixels it needs 12, to be yeah. to be exactly a 4K sensor yeah, uh, or, or Ultra HD sensor. So, yes, it is definitely a, 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 a camera where its specs are driven towards um, video capture. But if I was spending this much money, I'd buy the Sony A7S. I'm not saying that mm, they're the mm. same cameras per se. Well, you can buy an A7 because uh, they've dropped and dropped and dropped in price. Not necessarily because the A7S is any better. The A7s and A7Rs are amazing cameras, if not almost better stills cameras than the A7S. Oh, you can definitely get an A7 dramatically less cheap for nine, nine, maybe a thousand bucks or so. There's bargains all the time if you watch. Thousand US, I think you'd be hard pushed to get a thousand Australian. I think they're giving you more like fourteen hundred Australian. But anyway, I mean, these days, it's a lot cheaper than an A. It would. It's a. It's a. It's a. Smaller, lighter camera, and it would with be a video cheaper. Option. It would be cheaper than the um, yeah. than the Canon. Cleaner, better low light. You know, I just think even even as course, a stills camera only, there are better. better and I guess options. that's my point because the thing about it is because it's still got the mirror in it, which obviously the A7 doesn't. Because it's still got the mirror, it's a bulky camera, and so if you're going to carry that much bulk, which is to say, you know, the amount mm. of a standard Canon SLR, yeah. you want it to to deliver quite a lot for that bulk. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it feels like it yeah. should be big enough to have all sorts of automatic things in it for uploading and transferring and GPSing and all sorts mm. of things. Yeah, put yeah. I mean, if it doesn't even have there's Wi-Fi in the there's Wi-Fi and NFC in a, in an A7. Yeah, I was out on a recce this week, this on Monday, and we literally, I was trying to sell in a location to the client and uh, make it look as great as possible and shoot with exactly the right lenses I wanted to, show them how they were concerned about a location in the back back of shot, a neighboring house. And I said, no worries, we can crop that out. I can get that out of focus. I'll sh- let me go back to the place because, because the place they wanted was, I, I felt, was not, not as good. So I really wanted to sell in the, the location I wanted, and it was close to my house. <laughs> um, so I, I went back and they said, look, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll consider these shots if you can get them all to me by a certain time. So I had to rush, rush there in the morning, had to get light just as soon as there was light shot with it. And I could, not that I couldn't have done it with, with cards, but literally I could stand in the backyard. I didn't even have to go to my car and get a 4G laptop or a 4G modem or anything out. I could um, uh, transfer the stills straight from my, the A7 
to my iPhone and fire them off straight to the uh, straight to the the producer without um, from my iPhone without even having to pull out a laptop. When the A7 came out, we I remember buying it like the second it was released. It was a sensation. I mean, it seemed like a really good sweet spot when the original uh, Canon 7D, sorry, came out. Yeah, yeah, right. You, yeah, you bought the 7D yes. and then swapped to Mark II. Well, I already actually had a Mark II, actually, I Mark think, and I bought one. a 7D, and then I bought, a obviously, 5D Mark III, which is what I, what I shoot with at the moment. And I love the 5D Mark III. I just, I just feel like this, uh, after five years, is, is underwhelming. So if that is yeah. the case, mm, mm. if that's what you're putting at the bottom of our little spectrum of wonderful new cameras... Mr. Wingrove, sir, what is at the other end of cool cameras that have been released that really gets you out of bed in the morning to get your juices flowing? Oh, well, my juice is flowing, but my wallet's going to be staying in my um, my pocket. It would be the Alexa 65, which Ooh. is just mm. as me as a full fr- as a full frame. Forget full frame. As a large <laughs> sensor, as a large sensor, large sensor addict, this is just. I just want to basically take uh, all my cameras and, and and put them in the driveway, back over them a few times, and do a massive insurance claim, and just rent rent this thing forever. Uh, it, this is bittersweet for me because as I'll, I'll as I go on, we'll find out exactly the limitations, particularly for this half of the world. Uh, Alexa sixty five. I'm sure everyone by now has maybe caught up with this, but essentially it is. An Alexa body, standard. It's very much, very much the same weight, and almost the same form factor as a standard uh, Alexa 35 sensor. It's uh, the body at the front half is perhaps slightly wider to accommodate the larger sensor block and larger um, lens mount. It is essentially three Alexa um, sensor, uh, Alexa sensor wafers, I guess. Uh, I guess basically they they take the the the, the sensor wafer and, and and instead of cutting three Alexa sensors out of it, they they keep it a really large sensor. In terms of tapping out the data, it's basically creating the same amount of data as three um, Super Thirty Five sensor Alexas, I think, or maybe they're the four by three of the four by threes. Anyway, three Alexa sensors on their side together. Um, I guess you could almost say it's like probably in terms of how the architecture of the camera is, it's essentially spitting out three da- three Alexa data streams and stitching it into into one big, very big uh, data file. Six thousand five hundred and sixty by three thousand one hundred and two. Yes, the data rate is quite astounding. I like uh, how they call it a sixty-five. Like, like interestingly, because of their obviously their DNA, they're not referring to it as like six K, four K, five K. It's sixty-five. It's, it's 65, five per exactly. sixty-five. Well, there's it's no exactly perf, the same right? sensor size, but you're calling it five, five per sixty-five. Yeah, yes. exactly the same because they have uh, essentially probably what is the most modern uh, and essentially probably you could still rent one tomorrow, today if you wanted to. The the, the most modern of the sixty-five cameras, the seven six-five. Yep. Uh, so they've basically made a digital version of that. So they have the existing XPL mount, which is much larger, much larger mount. They have an existing um, phalanx of uh, 65 mil lenses, which they are updating for the new digital realm, and so they are creating a whole bunch of new lenses as the 765 well. The 7.65 came out at the end of the 80s, right? Beginning of the 90s, I'm thinking. Mm. Yeah, about 1990, I think. Yeah, it was. I think it was used on things like Far and Away and some of the the later batch of of, of sixty five mil mil so, shirts. So the the fat. It's going to go the, this data rate. The I'm fat Alexa. Yes. Is um looks like it's going to weigh a bit too. It's meant to be. The weight's meant to be exactly the same. So they say. 
Yeah, but it looks like it it's more. I know it's it does definitely look, wider. It does look like it. It's weighing in a lot more in its data rate. The uh, the data rate just at twenty five frames a second because currently when it when it launches there will be no overcranking. Eight eight sixty megabytes per second. Megabytes mm. per second with fourteen stops of no, dynamic range. That can't be right. Uncompressed but, ARRI RAW. It can't be right. At four hundred and eighty. Uh, at 850 megabytes per second. That's what I've got. Can't be right. Well, it's it's going to be that in 2015. It's I don't think that at release, but this is what is coming. It yeah. can't. Can't be right. No, that can't be right. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? I'm sure it. <laughs> it records exactly <laughs> 11 minutes at 24 frames a second. So you know. It, yeah. it, I think it. I think it is. I think it is right. It's um. It's a four hundred. It's going to have a 480 gig. Uh, capacity uh, codex Which will card. fill up in 10 minutes. I mean, literally. 11, 11 minutes at okay. 24 frames a second. So it must be right. 480 gigabytes in 11 minutes. So it must be that. It sounds phenomenal. But interestingly, the camera itself is capable of 2 gigabytes per second data rate. So there will no doubt be some overcranking possible in the future. But this is not really necessarily something you want to have massive, you know, this is much more of a feature drama yeah. thing. This I'm, is I'm certainly, really certainly wanting not... to have a codex on set for this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you you are not caring about it. If you're using this camera, data is not really something you really God, Can you imagine being a data wrangler on this, Mama? You're not really caring much about it. That is not one of your concerns. There's some guy sitting at the side just sweating bullets going, oh, no, I've got three cameras shoot with a 65 Alexa coming up. Oh, my God. Walk up to to Best Buy. I want all the hard drives you have. How many do you want? All of them. (laughs) Give me your drives. I think you actually probably wouldn't even go to Best Buy. You'd go to, you'd say, hi. Uh, You'd you'd step up to um, uh, the manufacturer. You'd go, you'd go straight to the. Well, of course, to, in reality, you'd be shooting back your track yeah, up, truck you'd, up. I'd you'd say get back, back the truck up to the the um the codex, which is now rebranded as an Arri Rental Vault Number Five. But yes, maybe. In fact, the DIT van is probably. You know how they, I think how they do like data centers these days is they just drop off containers. It's a container all fully rigged and arrayed and, and uh, air-conditioned, and you just you just dock them, and if something fails, you just swap out a whole container. That's probably what it is. Put a container on the back of a truck, and that's your data. That's your, that's the data wrangling. Insane. But the imagery, oh, my God, the imagery is going to be outstanding. There's charts everywhere on the net, and we, we've got one here on, on the show notes comparing the sensor size, physically the sensor size, um, uh, compared to, say, the, the Sony F65 or the Dragon, or even compared to full frame, it's the same. If you take, say, a Sony an F, a, a, a say a, a 5D Mark Mark III, uh, not in video mode because, of course, that crops the sensor down to 16 by 9. But this, the if you imagine, say, slightly wider than the 16 by 9 sensor, but that is the same height as uh, a full frame sensor, but you know twice the width. So and it's easily double. You say you could you could say it's double the size in terms of double double the double the height, double the width. Anecdotally, of of a of a of a five D Mark Mark three in sixteen by nine video mode. Yes, if that as, makes as sense. As you know, Jason, I would happily drink your bathwater. I, I worship you thus, but I think you're actually completely in error when you say it's the same bloody weight. I just looked it up as we were talking, and uh, it's three kilos heavier. 
Oh, three kilos. That's not too bad. Well, uh, the first one's like about seven something kilos, and this one's about ten something kilos. So, with the greatest of respect that I can maintain while not groveling on the floor in front of you, yeah, well, well, it's a bit heavier. Okay. Well, in Ari speak, Ari speak, it doesn't matter. About <laughs> the same size and weight, a little bit wider. Right. Okay. And that's that's a quote from you know from 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 Ari themselves. I mean, the lightest you can get in Alexa is six point three kilos. Um, so that would be, you know. Okay. But just saying. Just saying. That's all sensor, I think. It's almost twice <laughs> as heavy. Three anyway. kilos more of sensor. Okay. Anyway. Three, three kilos more of cred, street cred. <laughs> the pisser is that, uh, I mean, not that anyone would probably buy this thing because it would be. It is a there's rental gonna be, There's going to be so few. I think their their initial batch is to try and get 30. I know it's impossible to find out at the moment how actually how many of these cameras there exist. But they're. Only going into essentially going into AriRentalGroup.com's uh, inventory and maybe cross hired to other rental companies, but they plan to only at this at this stage have, say in the first year, have thirty cameras only uh, in total uh, for U.S., Germany, and U.K. and have ten to plan to have ten cameras in cameras in each. Yeah, but like each, okay, so like in each arena, the car- which leaves the bottom yeah. of the. But, but well, Pirates of yes. the Caribbean, for example, which I'm, I know nothing. I'm not saying this as a no. insider knowledge, but <clears throat> it's filming no. in Queensland. Yes. So I'm sure if Pirates phoned up uh, Ari and said, hey, we want to shoot with the 65. And I'm not saying they are, but just if they did. Yeah, yes. No, I'm sure that they, they'd they, work a deal. They would bring him down for yeah. a show, of course. Yeah. Well, I, I, the problem is they're not going to have one here that you can use for one day on a shoot at the uh, sea pool. That's the problem. That's the problem. That's yeah. the problem is that, oh, I think, look, I think. <clears throat> if they do, if they, I want to If there was a couple of cameras here in, 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 say, somewhere in the bottom of the world, Melbourne, Sydney, probably make it Sydney. I'd say, just say Sydney. Wellington. Yep. Because that's where I live. Let's say I have two here. They could definitely be working all the time. But okay. uh, that, that's obviously – I'm sure these, these questions are being posed right now. I'm sure uh, there's hundreds of uh, requests happening to ARRI Australia who are asking the questions. It's a little bit rich to have 30 cameras and base them all in the top half of the world because, you know, hey, stuff happens down here. But, uh, yes, as you say, I like it with any rental company, with any, rent, with any, with any, with any rental gear, it, it – it, can be uh, relocated around the world for, for big projects, but it means the one-off, the smaller projects, even the one or two-week-long TVCs or or short films don't don't get the benefit of having something just around the corner. I mean, you touched so on I'm it sure before. this will rectify itself. You touched on it before, but it's also just the lenses, right? Because aren't there? I mean, these, there's a whole new set of lenses involved. Yes, there's a whole new set of lenses based on... Uh, I'm not sure what the original lenses, the original 7.65 lenses were based on, but uh, yes, they're rehousing a whole bunch of medium formats and Mamiya's and, and Hasselblad lenses to create new... create and recoating new glass, uh, but not going to the expense of completely redesigning whole new optics, of course, because it doesn't... The image circle uh, is is already... Uh, there is already some beautiful, amazingly beautiful lenses that are designed to cope with um, that image circle quite well, and designed to shoot stuff you can blow up to, you know, huge, massive billboards. Um, when you love an eighty or an, or a hundred on that sucker, just for well, you need to. I mean, as soon as you go go to medium format, even say say just Hasselblad two and a quarter square. The the standard I think I think your your, med, your standard lens like a fifty for, for medium format is like a ninety five or yeah. so hundred fives and stuff. So yes, the whole lens package kind of shifts itself 
uh, a little bit. From, but they are still going to have some very wide lenses. They're going to have a 24, right? And that's going to seem insanely oh, wide. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, I don't think there's going to be a lack of lenses. I don't even think maybe there's going to be a lack of cameras. Just um, It's just where they might be based will be the pain. But, you know, who knows? Well, eventually, next time we see um, Stefan here in, in Sydney, I'll collar him and see what the deal is. But uh, I'm just glad these exist. Uh, a much better chance of being able to get something if I have a larger project than I think that subsequent previously the only option I think around was the uh, the gold the sixty five mil Phantom, which is not exactly you know is not exactly very friendly for shooting normal sync sound, um, but had a similar yeah not like an arrow had a similar sensor I think yeah I mean it's a great camera but it's not as cinematic in its um, operational. DNA is this sucker? Yeah, it's very close in sensor size, but anyway, it's anyway, it's, it's that is that is definitely one end of the spectrum, and I'm sure it would be very hard for uh, Ari to recoup the money, but uh, who knows? I, I'm, I I really look forward to starting to see some some big stuff uh, being shot on this format. It's just phenomenally beautiful it's very hard to shoot with of course because even even if you want to stop stuff down it's you're, you're battling um battling depth of field it's not sometimes not, not uh, it's a plus of course but it's a minus if you just want to shoot yeah. an over the shoulder stuff or shoot a two shot a slightly three-quarter two shot i remember um i think far and away which is the ron howard movie which at the time i loved i haven't seen it in a while it may be cheesily dated um, but I think just doing like two people sitting at a bar, you know, they had to use uh, tilt shift lenses literally to try and get, uh, you know, get pe- get two people on either side of the frame, even uh, comfortably in focus or uncomfortably in focus. So on the uh, Wingrove meter, we have yes. now defined the two ends of our new array of cameras. What comes next at the uh, at the 7D end of the spectrum. In other words, if I jump back to other cameras that were released that haven't set your afterburners alight, is there anything mm. else that... Uh... Well, I suppose we could head down to... I think this was probably... I did see this camera at... Uh, are you talking about the Leica, perhaps? Maybe the Leica, Leica S4. Well, I'd, I'd oh, like Leica the Leica S. a lot more if it wasn't for the price tag. Well, the price tag, yes, I didn't put it. I didn't put the price tag in the show notes, but I'm sure you were aware it's, in, in, it's very Leica like alike in mm. its pricing there's a few this was at NAB and I saw it and had to play with it and looked at the lenses and, and at NAB it was not it did not have a video mode but they were talking about it going to be, be have one camera beautiful beautiful in the hand optical viewfinder uh, stunning glass ultra expensive camera what have you seen 20 30,000 25,000 for the body um, yeah Upwards yeah. to with some other stuff, thirty five thousand with yeah. lens. So the video, uh, not so an afterthought. Maybe it's an afterthought. It certainly feels a little bit like it, uh, unfortunately, because I mean, maybe three or four years ago it would have been amazing. But now, it, if you want to use the full frame mode, um, this is again, this is a medium. This is a medium format camera. Not as big. I don't think the sensor is going no. to be as the F six as the Ari sixty five. But in video mode, it will shoot ten eighty p maximum at uh, in the full frame mode. This is a four K camera, but it will only shoot four K if it goes into super thirty five crop mode, which is uh, annoying. And it shoots four two two eight bit MPEG. No idea what the data rate is. 
Uh, and in 4K mode, it pegs out at 25 frames per second top speed, and it'll go up to 30, I believe, in uh, in Super 35. Sorry, in the full frame mode, it'll, it tops yeah. out at 25 frames a second, but I think in Super 35, it, it goes up to, to 30. 30, yes. So, damn. Beautiful lens, beautiful camera. Mm, missing an EVF, but you're probably never going to get an EVF in in a big Leica like this because it's it's very very much a stills camera first. Yeah, I mean and it's a thirty-seven point five megapixel stills camera yeah. when it they've starts. They've never, they've never really. They did an I think they did an M, uh, a, a full frame M in with a video mode, but uh, very much. So we're talking about a. What a thirty by forty-five millimeter sensor versus say a twenty-four to thirty-six type millimeter sensor that we'd expect in a, a DSLR that's not a mid format, right? Sure. What size this actual sensor is? Oh, I thought it was about that. Hmm. Googling. Uh, it's. Um, it, anyway, the video side of things is is a bit of a letdown, and uh, we're yet to have that sort of non. Non Ari 65 uh, Holy Grail of, of larger than <laughs> the, the Holy Grail has shifted a little bit away, shall we say? We're getting some very nice full frame solutions, but even bigger than that is uh, uh, not, not, uh, it's still a bit of a pipe dream. But uh, yeah, still very nice, beautiful, beautiful camera in the hand. I'd love to shoot something with it when it comes around, but I don't think, I don't. I don't think I'll be purchasing something. I don't think I don't really think actually. When you again try and find this, what the what the fra- what the sensor size is, I don't think it's going to be massively uh, much bigger uh, than say a, a full frame. In so much as you're going to have a massively noticeable difference from shooting wide open full frame to shooting say this medium format. It's not not it's not a stunningly um, huge difference. So what I want is not to spend $25,000. What I want is something that's much cheaper than that that shoots 4K. Yes. It has things like Wi-Fi built in that's yes. fun and easy and yes. still can do stills and isn't going to bankrupt me. Oh, gosh. Yes. They released one of those. Oh, you're talking about the Sony? F- FS7? No, or? I'm talking about the GoPro. Oh, the GoPro, yes. Of course, it does stills. Yes, indeed. Yeah, the uh, it's way cheaper. Yeah. Yes, it's way, way cheaper. Now, I ha- was, have sort of been a little bit um, neglectful of, of GoPros because uh, I have uh, a hard time getting them to edit into my footage. But I think, uh, again, neglectful in so much as that they improved the one thing that, that would have helped us uh, edit this stuff into footage, and many people do. Uh, I think there was... Uh, I didn't touch on it at NAB, but there was a big update to the ProTune uh, side of things mm. at NAB. It was one of their main... Well, main with with uh, Premiere taking ProTune, um, it's a huge difference. Yeah, and there's lots of tools and more tools to come with, with uh, Premiere in terms of taking in the footage and uh, not just uh, handling the uh, ProTune, but also the the, the revised ProTune, but also um, de uh, fisheying somewhat, you could say, and making the image mm. much more rectilinear. No, no, no. That's yeah. I think that's a bit ugly, though. Is it? I've yeah. tried it. We're talking about the GoPro. Let's just quickly give the prices because uh, um, everyone may not know. So the black, which is the top of the range, is five hundred bucks. The mm-hmm. silver is four hundred bucks, and the Hero, just normal. You want to get one, and you want to 
be using it as a crash cam is one hundred and thirty dollars. That's yeah, which is amazing, which is is extraordinary. Um, I had actually had a, have got a, a black here, which is fantastic. I was very keen to get my hands on it because I have a a really cool like a handheld gimbal thing uh, and a few cases and rigs and things for when I do use them. And I was, as soon as the four was launched, I went, "No, please don't change it. Please let the, the cameras fit into all the other rigs." And of course, this is something that, uh, even though they have made some changes along the way, this is something the GoPro have been aware of that they wanted to make sure that you know, there's a lot of people in, and a lot of third-party people invested in, in rigs and things. So I was very happy that uh, the, the the four slid straight into my uh, very snug little gimbal rig and wasn't different in its weight, didn't throw anything out. It was uh, perfect. Um, so that, at least in that side of things, a lot of the rigs and cases and, and um, um, housings are uh, they haven't changed the design from the my last GoPro, which is the three, not the the, the Hero Three Plus. Uh, that nothing seems to have changed. The old LCD backpack thing fits on the back as well. The main thing that they've changed physically is it is a different battery. It's a new battery. And that's good and bad. It's bad if you buy if you own a whole bunch of batteries and chargers and things, and actually have a little little. There's a little fun little little um, thing I'll talk about at the end of the show uh, regarding GoPro batteries. But the plus side of it is far out. Is it easier to put that battery in? Anyone trying to get a GoPro uh, get the battery out of a out of a Hero Three or a Three Hero Three Plus? What a you need a four year old child to try and do this to get the fingers to get this thing open the little lid and pull the little battery out much easier now and very much and, and the little plastic lid literally you could lose that in, instantaneously um so now it's 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 very much it's very much like uh putting the battery in uh say a 5d it has, has a spring-loaded door which stays attached to the camera and the ca- the battery is very much a, a drop-in contacted kind of thing so very, the main physical change um apart from adding i think one more menu button is uh, is a positive one and well it's rest, actually course, not quite that simple my friend okay because Tell, the hero it? black doesn't yeah. have the lcd touchscreen ah that is true that is tr- it doesn't come with an lcd no and the lcd touchscreen is on the 100 dollar less 3 version but the yes so you have this lot. problem that you kind of want <clears throat> the 4 because it can shoot yes. 120 frames a second hd 1920 by 1080 is really cool and shoots all sorts of wonderful things yes. <sighs> that could be the sweet spot but i want the touchscreen and the built-in lcd of the 100 dollar cheaper one this is true and that makes the camera smaller and lighter. Perhaps if you're flying in, and what, if you have a very small um, uh, uh, quadcopter and weight is of an absolute issue and you still want to pl- have an LCD screen there for lineups and things, uh, you, perhaps the silver might be, might be good for you. But you might also want the, the, you know, the, the, the resolution mm-hmm. and the wider view of the, of the 4K in the black. So it's a bit of a toss-up. It's, it's an interesting... Uh, um, exclusion on the on the black that it didn't have the now one of the things I really like is being able to control it from an iPhone. <clears throat> I mean, I just love that, especially yeah. because in my experience, and I mainly use it on cars and things like that. You kind of set it all up, and then you want to be able to control it when the time is right, as opposed to you know having it on my arm while I'm jumping out of an aeroplane where I set it, and then I've got other things to worry about, like yeah, oh, I don't know the I'll earth rushing and change resolutions and change frame mm-hmm. rates and things all from the, the there iPhone. is also a fast record option. Which, when skiing, would be awesome, right? Just one button press to get the kind of thing mm. running. Um, right. And 
I guess the thing for me that makes this really, really interesting um, is that with a lot of the technology that's coming out around the GoPro right now, like the problem with GoPro is the same problem that I've had with home movies, which is everybody used to film them and no one ever used to watch them. And the trouble with GoPro is that you strap it on and then you climb up a mountain that takes like, you know, an hour. And then you say to your friends, hey, do you want to watch me climb up a mountain for an hour? And they go, dude, no. And you go, oh, okay. Um, And now you've got the ability to basically, with varying technologies, at least three companies that are looking at this, um, speed that up, but also stabilize it and uh, auto track a new path through the footage. So, for example, this was being shown at at, uh, SIGGRAPH. Uh, as one of the papers where they, you know, did a, a hyper uh, speed up, but because it was also stabilized and a new path was found, it wasn't jittering like crazy. And then you get what you want, right, which is the really interesting climbing the mountain in about two minutes, which I can kind of live with. The um, the climbing the mountain for an hour in real time is less interesting, but if you just speed up less interesting footage, it jitters so much that it's unwatchable. Yeah. That it's like uh, handheld effectively or hand climbed. Um, so there's a lot of technology around the hero, but I think Stu really nailed it um, in his piece on Prolost. And obviously, Stu is a great friend of this podcast and just a terrific guy all around. But mm. if, if if ever yes, you he's want, had a, he had a fall for uh, a lot a lot more time than I did in pre. If you ever want to have a kind of a, a zeitgeist moment of clarity, um, go to Prolost.com, where he points out the thing about the GoPro that's absolutely true and I would say it's the same of other companies in other areas, is you're not just buying into the camera tech, you're buying into the dream. And the dream is the lifestyle, basically. It's the get out and experience life. So buying a four-wheel drive. Well, I was going to say, I mean, there are other um, parts of my life that you know different companies come up with stuff that's more than just the tech. It's the whole lifestyle that goes with it. And uh, I don't know about a four-wheel drive, but I... We'll take your word for it, given that you don't drive one. Or the soft ride, or the soft roaders, where they, yep. you know, selling in the lifestyle that hey, or yep. buying a boat one day. I mean, buying you, a boat you is exactly. You definitely make it. the use of the, of your boat. Yeah, but, totally. But uh, the, there's a lot of people who, the, you know, the four wheel drives are marketed for people to, you know, if you buy this, you can be this guy. Yeah, and I think I think that's certainly um, Stu Nelson in this article when he points out that it's this whole lifestyle of being the person that gets out there and experiences life and. Even as a filmmaker, you said you didn't cut it in. Stu sort of made a similar point. He's rarely cut it in unless he's specifically going for that look. But, you know, he'll happily use it as a family camera because you can throw it in a a bag going to the beach. Um, You know, if I was going sailing, I'd have no trouble. In fact, that's what I've done. With both GoPros and uh, like a Sony camera, you know, the little Sony one, the um, one looks like a Yeah, the action cam. Yeah, so we, we strapped that to a halyard and then raised it up the mast with two other ropes controlling it. So we got a shot from the top of the mast looking down at the yacht uh, while we were sailing up in uh, Broken Bay. And then we stuck it on the end of the, because um, I got a 34-foot yacht, so on the end of the boom, it swung, swings out quite a long way. That didn't give us enough control. So then we got the spinnaker pole, put it on the end of the spinnaker pole and just had it as this giant kind of, um, I guess, like a jib arm, effectively, yeah. swinging around uh, to film. So we were off the side of the yacht, filming back at the yacht in an impossible shot. Um, and, in, and we were using it because we could line it up and know when to stop and start it off the, uh, off the iPhone. I nice. think it was a Galaxy phone. But I would do the same thing with a GoPro in a, in a heartbeat. But you know that if something goes wrong and a small orca jumps out of the water and thinks that it's bait and eats it, you know, you're not going to, I mean, okay, you're out of pocket for a few hundred bucks and no one's that rich that they're going to burn that. But, you know, hey, wow, what a story, right? Whereas I'm not strapping an SLR to a 
on a on a rope and hoisting it up the mast in the hope that uh, it doesn't accidentally swing around in the wind and bash against the the mast and crack a lens. But but you do that with a GoPro, right? You, with these smaller cameras, you just take yeah sensible, fun risks with them that are worth it because it, it's you know it's the what the hay camera or the you know it's the the, the... we had, we had a five hour sail down the coast um, with uh, you know I mean obviously it's gorgeous and stuff and it's nice out. Uh, sailing any time, but you know, a couple of filmmakers and uh, and my daughter was out, and we were just yeah, we were just having fun mucking around with it and shooting yeah. great shots, and it was just awesome. And I mean, that's what you want a GoPro for, that kind of stuff. And I I don't think GoPro's the only camera that satisfies that, but man, they practically I mean, they're the Red Bull of cameras, right? Yeah, and it's very risk diminished way of shooting rather than rigging a something else out there. You know, if you do get a little sort of rogue splash of a wave, you you're, you're yeah. covered. Yeah. And I think that's tremendously uh, appealing. You know, the, the, there is so much you learn from doing that, for, and there's so much fun that you can have from doing that, even if you don't care about what you're learning, that it's uh, it's just great to have that. And I have the thought of that at 4K resolution for, I mean, I don't think 4K is what you need out of a GoPro, but man, that's just off the dial. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that um, is okay. just sensational. So we have a quick chat with Jim Godolik from uh, from GoPro. And he is the nowadays the cinema broadcast and photo marketing manager for GoPro, and long time, long time, long time, long time friend of the show. Yep. Uh, so I had a quick chat uh, with him, just getting the overview of the range and uh, how the GoPro, how the Hero Four and the new range is going to not necessarily how it is for everybody, but but how it maybe more suits the RC crowd. Jim, thanks for joining us. I know it's a very busy time for you guys there at the moment. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, excited to be back on the RC. Yes, yes, been a while, been a while. Well, I think we haven't we haven't seen you here since, uh, at least not in your new life. Yeah, not since joining GoPro. Yeah, so how is it there? It's uh, definitely exciting. It's very, uh, very fast paced. Obviously, we've been working on a lot of stuff since the three plus, uh, which came out around this time last year. So now we have today. We released, uh, you know, some new cameras and accessories. Yeah, well, let's let's go through it. I've got the uh, Hero Four Black, um, but obviously there is definitely something worth uh, talking about in in the other two as well. So. Uh, maybe just quickly give us the Reader's Digest version of uh, what uh, GoPro's released today. Sure. Uh, well, obviously, starting off with uh, you know the flagship model, which you have there, is the Hero 4 Black, um, which is basically the top-of-the-line camera, most notably uh, what everybody's been clamoring for for a while from us, which is uh, 4K 30 frames per second and 4K 24 um, yeah. as well as, you know, 1080, 1080p 120, um, which, you know, a lot of people have been asking for higher frame rates and obviously something a bit more than 4k at 15 frames per second. Yeah. Well, let's, before we, I'm going to completely hijack the conversation already and let's talk about the 4k because yes, it's been fairly unusable, I guess, for, for most people up until now. Now, it's only available in this ultra wide mode, right? Which, in my quick playing with the camera overnight, is uh, is I guess an unusual format. Maybe you can talk us through that and how we can use it and how we can then perhaps implement it with post or how we can best make the use of this ultra wide mode. 
Yeah, sure. So obviously the the staple look of GoPro is is that very wide immersive angle into that with our with our lens reaching up to 170 degrees uh, for field of view. Um, obviously the the use of 4K in that mode has has a lot of different aspects to it. Um, the core of being a lot of action sports users and and uh, thrill seekers loving that full immersive um, uh, wide angle field of view that you would get with uh, a lot of action sports users as well as uh, cinematographers and photographers that that like that style of angle. Uh, the good thing about it is, you know, specifically for 4K is um, both in GoPro Studio. And in other packages like Adobe Premiere, um, you now have a set of you've had some set of tools and now upset updated set of tools that would allow you to basically um, make that image rectilinear. So in in GoPro Studio, you have a uh, remove fisheye uh, feature, which is under the advanced settings in GoPro Studio. Um, and then also in tools like Adobe Premiere, there's a bunch of lens correction profiles um, for our lens as well. For, for GoPro. Exactly. For, for, for ultra wide. Now, because it looks 4x3, it's, it's, it's using the entire sensor, which is not a 16x9 sensor, right? It's a, it's a lot because it's a stills camera as well. It's a larger sensor. It's, a, it's a, not a 16x9 um, uh, image, right? Correct. Yeah. We're, we're a 4,000 by 3,000 uh, image sensor. Yeah. So if you, so is there an easy drag and drop way in say in Premiere Pro to take this and make it look not so funky and, uh, (laughs) make it the right shape? Uh, yeah, there's going to be some more, uh, updates, but a lot of the, obviously, you know, Premiere has to catch up with our, with our stuff too. But as Mm. far as making uh, system, um, uh, preferences or, or presets that you would for for Hero Four versus uh, Hero Three Plus um, is just gonna it's just gonna take a couple things, and we're working on a lot of training. Um, we've started to release on on the GoPro.com uh, tutorial page, which is going to start covering a lot of the new features and settings within the Hero Four camera series, as well as the uh, the newer entry of the Hero. Well, I'll have to definitely get start, start playing with those uh, tools then because the first reaction, I'm sure, for a lot of people when you turn on this ultra-wide, you go to 4K, you go, oh, my God, this is this is, this is is crazy-ass imagery here. I'm not going to really use it. It's a bit too funky for me. So uh, rectilinear, i.e. correcting um, a lot of the lens distortion and uh, giving me a nice, clean 16 by 9 4K uh, imagery. Uh, it sounds great. Yeah, and and a, lo- a lot of that too you can see in um, the Hero Four launch reel that was released today in 4K on YouTube as well. Not every one of those shots is um, is the full 170. Some some of those shots have been uh, corrected, uh, and that's totally going to be up to you know how you want to see the the camera behave. Um, yeah. And that's the great thing about uh, about the camera, you know, is there are specific uh settings that allow you to basically window the sensor um as as it is for 4k that's that's what it is for for 30 and 24 frames is um in the ultra wide mode okay so you know our audience you know what we're interested in we know you know our day-to-day uses i guess um because that you are one of them Mm -hmm. and uh i guess 
you kind of know, I guess you know my feelings on, on, on this sort of genre of camera and, and uh, its use for me. So what's new? What are we going to like about this newer version based on, say, 3 or 3? People have come from 3 or the 3 Plus. Um, well, the, so looking at the two higher-end models, you've got the Silver, which right away a lot of people are, are going to be really excited about that, that it has an integrated touch LCD on the back of the Silver. Yes, I'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and the great thing about the silver is that it, it, in essence, picks up a lot of what the three plus black edition has as far as, um, the settings that were not previously in the, in the three silver in the three plus silver. Um, so it's, it's picked up a lot, uh, quite a bit of settings, um, and feature set, um, with adding, you know, the, uh, uh, the newer design and as well as the newer style of the battery. Um, the three plus has, a has quite a bit of, uh, addition of feature sets as well. Um, and more so for the RC crowd, you know, the great things that we're starting to talk mm-hmm. about are uh, higher bit rate. We now are up to 60 megabits per second on the, on the bit rate. Yeah. Um, we have a faster processor now, which is allowing us to do the higher frame rates as well as um, the higher resolutions at the higher frame rates. Um, so there's there's still a lot of the feature set that the 3 Plus had as far as the 3 Plus Black. And then we move into the Hero 4 Black, we start adding better things with auto low light. There's a better uh, DAC system, basically a, a digital uh, analog conversion that's been updated for working with people that would like to use uh, the basically the 3.5 jack that we have via USB. Yeah, you can plug in uh, some pretty good mics, and we've been testing them, um, and and you're getting a considerable audio gain uh, as far as you know using some uh, higher end microphones with with the camera, mm-hmm. uh, and that's definitely a, a huge benefit. A lot of people um, kind of know that 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 go to GoPro sound when when you know the camera's in its casing, yeah. Um, which which has led us to come out with more accessories that were more benefited towards the the filmmaking and 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 music centric crowds as far as doing new things with the the frame 2.0 and the skeleton housings and now um, you know uh, looking at the the uh, DAC component that's part of the Hero Four Black. Okay. So some of the things I guess our crowd and you yourself will be interested in is or have been clamoring for or interested in in the future is improvements to stuff like dynamic range, color, gradeability, the ability to be able to cut this stuff into other camera footage. Uh, So uh, what's happening here with the with the four? So. With the, with the four, the great thing is that alongside with the, the bit rates uh, going up, um, having the ability to, to shoot ProTune, which obviously we did a big update to ProTune just this past NEB with, uh, with ProTune 2.0, um, allowing you to have more manual control over with not full manual control, but um, you know being able to basically have a style of like a log lin between going between uh, GoPro Color and a flat pass, um, as well as being able to limit the ISO and have more exposure and sharpness controls within that. That's going to be a big deal for people that are either 
shooting our camera in a multicam environment or if they're shooting our camera um, alongside some other um, cameras, say a Red or an Alexa or, you know, an F5 or an F55 is the benefit there with Protoon is obviously a lot of broadcasters and feature films are, are mandating certain things be at a certain bit rate before they would even use them for, for broadcast or TVCs or anything like that. Um, so going back and, and looking at what Protoon can do not only in, in video, but Protoon is now also available in photos. So um, with the Protoon turned on and all of these sort of, um, I guess, curve manipulating uh, mode switched on is there a number for the dynamic range so i mean do you guys put a number on 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 that um when, when it comes to marketing and, and technicalities we don't uh, rate it against maybe some of the other uh cameras in the asa but if you if you were to peg it when protoon is on and its highest bit rate um its highest quality between 10 and 11 stops yeah that's good I guess it depends on how the camera uses that dynamic range that it's given with. You know, there's cameras that have much less than that that do a great job. So I guess it's, yes, it's all in how it handles it. So there's flat color as well. That's new, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's newer um, in the Protein update that came um, just around NAB time. Right. And a lot of people are starting to explore it. I've talked to a lot of colorists and, and obviously you know, internally at our media team too is, you know, we're using DaVinci Resolve for, for grading um, our, our reels that come out and a lot of our, our projects that we are doing internally and then we release on our channel. So it's going through, a, you know, the same grade path that a lot of users on, on some of the higher end stuff would be used to using is, you know, shooting in a raw or raw-like uh, scenario with the grade in mind after the fact. So having that flat color mode be available within Protoon is definitely beneficial um, for professional users. Okay. Now, there is some manual controls. We're starting to get a bit of control over some of the functionality. Um, there was rumors that perhaps that this camera might have um, a little bit more manual control than before. What have we got? Um, well, as far as manual controls and, and what we have access to now, um, you know, we have obviously color, which is between GoPro color and flat. We yep. have, um, we have ISO limit, which basically gives us the option to limit the ISO between four, 6,400 and, uh, up to 16, uh, you know, four, 16 and 6,400. Um, we have three different settings for sharpness going from low, medium to high, um, we have uh, EV bias um, all the way up to plus two down to minus two on an EV bias as well. Um, as a, a exposure compensation. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can get it to uh, over, you can, but you can get it to to meter under or over. I suppose you could say. Yep. Yep. There is no manual exposure per se. Still, essentially, there's, but you yeah, have we... control of of that. But is there a reason? I mean, for those who who have kind of always been hankering for it, clearly you guys know what you know your audience. You know what you know what people are after. Is there a reason we don't have that? Is there a technically reason, or is it a because it's more of a it's too complicated for the masses, or? Is it just something something that you've got planned, or where do we sit at with getting actual hard manual controls of these things? 
Sometimes it's yeah, one of those, it, be careful that you wish for what you wish for, things, you know, because <laughs> I think if we, I think people with manual, the more you have manual controls, the easier it is to get into trouble, of course. Yeah, and it, I, I think for us, it's it's finding the happy medium. Obviously, the main um, the main core for for our market is is consumer based, which is which is where this where the camera where the camera started off, um, and I, I think you know looking at where GoPro came from and where where we are today and where we we're going to be tomorrow, I think it's for us it's finding what users need and trying to make it available for for both sides both the professionals and for the consumer side where you know we want to make the camera as easy as possible for everyone to use whether they be you know my nine-year-old son or or one of the other rc uh podcast listeners is that um we definitely are aware of everything that people want we we have the going tally of features and and obviously we have to look at and prioritize what's the best um what's the best ones that we can we can definitely tackle and handle because obviously in a camera this in this form factor in this size um you know getting a lot of the feature sets that we are able to implement is definitely a, a, a big feat and that, and you know hats off to our to our internal teams in engineering and IQ and software and firmware being able to to basically cram all of all of this stuff into such a tiny form factor um yeah is is definitely a big feat so you know it's definitely something that we are we are definitely aware of we we definitely prioritize what what those features would be um as far as looking at the balancing act between the the core market of the consumer as well as we know professionals and all the way up to feature films and broadcast tv are using these using our cameras day in and day out yeah because it is a not insignificant part of your market i'm sure people who would say i'm sure perhaps love to be have the ability to go into the uh uh, the pro section, the GoPro Pro Pro section, and uh, download <laughs> the pro firm, firmware, and uh, have a little bit more access, you know, a bit more of a deep dive into into what the camera can offer. But I guess this is this is uh, it's that's 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 another whole that's another whole show. Well, the the great thing the great thing about it is um, we're we're always innovating and we're always listening. So. You know, the short time that I've been at GoPro, probably almost a year now, is that, um, you know, we may be quite a, a lot bigger than, you know, when I first started using GoPros myself, both professionally and, and just in my, you know, um, uh, in my daily life, um, looking at where the company is now and, and looking at how we interact with with users, um, especially on the professional level, it's it's really um, something that we covet, uh, is that, is that interaction with, with our users. And I think GoPro wouldn't be where it is today if it wasn't for both, uh, you know, professional users who love it and use it, you know, on set and in TV, but they also use it in their, in their day-to-day lives as moms and dads and, you know, uh, whatever it is that they're doing as well. And I think that's, that's where we're seeing the camera kind of evolve into, um, you know, being used in so many different ways that it says, you know, hey, let's look at what features we we can implement to help um, people on all different levels. 
Okay, I'm, I'm working my way down my little uh, list of questions. Rolling shutter. Now, this is something that uh, on a day-to-day basis with a GoPro you don't normally notice, but in really high, high hertz vibration, high vi- fast vibration situations, you can see some really quite quirky interactions between shutter and rolling shutter. Is uh, I guess with a heart, with a faster processor, are we getting a little bit less of that? So, you know, with a, with the faster processor now, um, we're, we're trying to look at rolling shutter, um, and it's pretty on par with what the three plus was. Um, we are seeing, depending on the mode that you're shooting in, we are seeing a little bit better results as far as the rolling shutter that was in previous, uh, editions of the camera, um, in, you know, things that you would normally use with other CMOS based, uh, cameras are going to do, you know, sometimes you're going to want to look at filtration, whether it be um, looking at stopping up or down with, with ND filters. Um, it, and that's really going to depend on what your shooting environment is and what, what frame rate you're going to be. And I think being able to shoot at higher frame rates at higher resolutions, we can also work around uh, some of the rolling shutter issue, issues. Now, night lapse is a new mode. Take us through how that is different to the normal time lapse mode. Sure. Um, so now that we can basically um, set custom exposure settings, you know, it's roughly we're setting up to thirty seconds for um, uh, for leaving open for single one and time lapse photos. So you have two two modes within the single mode you have night photo and then obviously for uh shooting at night we have the night lapse mode which are in two different parts of the menu settings um what we're doing there is we're we're able to um through firmware leave the shutter open longer to let more light available and obviously everybody knows with uh with the amount of uh shall we say time lapse that has uh evolved in the, in, you know, just the past five years as to, um, what people equate to, uh, what they see on Vimeo and YouTube and pretty much every other thing is that, uh, you know, a lot of people love shooting time-lapse and they love shooting it at night. So this is kind of just an, an evolving feature, um, that both we were, you know, clamoring for internally, but a lot of people are requesting, um, being able to leave the shutter open longer. Uh, to be able to do this and to get some right. pretty amazing shots. Because previously, I guess, once the sun goes down, most time lapses, GoPro time lapses, pretty much you're, you're, you're left in the dark. So so this is something you could use in a day and then move on tonight? Or it, it, it just it's, it's a time lapse mode that then can work through into the night or it's pr- predominantly for lower light use only? Um, what, what we've been shooting and what I've been shooting is, um, you know, being that we still, uh, have the iris is still auto, um, what you'd want to do is you definitely want to plan through that. And those night modes are specifically, uh, geared towards shooting in lower light conditions versus having a kind of bulb ramping up in between, um, you know, a sunset up to, uh, up to you know moonrise and having um, star trails and then going back up to uh, a sunrise uh, after the fact. Okay, so the LCD being on the silver but not on the black, it's an interesting move. Um, I mean, given the fact, if you don't necessarily want 4K, 
I'm, I'm perhaps maybe I mean I'm, I'm a bit confused why the, the more expensive camera doesn't have the LCD on it, mm-hmm. but perhaps the silver will suit more people because it it's if people who might not want the super ultra wide mode, most people on on maybe say quadcopters might be want to just shoot 2.7k at at, at 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 medium on the medium field of view and uh, and have the lightness of of not having to have the LCD on or so talk us through perhaps why that what that was the decision there with the LCD and maybe why the silver might suit more people than perhaps before. Sure. Yeah, we definitely had to kind of sit there and and, and figure out which which ways were going to be the best kind of suited between what user would be using 4K uh, at 24 and 30 versus uh, a user that would want more benefit from having an integrated LCD. Um, and and we definitely went back and forth on on figuring out you know what the optimal Use, use case would be for that. And when we came out with the idea of splitting the two, it's definitely, you know, when you look at optimal settings and, and, and also temperature and, and all different factors in shooting um, such a high, uh, high resolution and also the higher frame rates that the, the four black can do versus what the silver um, four can do is, is kind of a way out of options. You know, there are going to be some people that are, are totally used to using our camera system without an LCD. There's a lot of people that, um, have shot, you know, in previous generations, the three, um, and the three plus without having an LCD because you get used to what the field of view would be. Um, um, there is definitely a benefit. Obviously there, there's an updated, uh, LCD, um, that does work with the four, your previous generation, uh, LCD touch will work with, with the newer cameras as well. Does so indeed, that, as does the yeah. camera fits in the old case as well. That's right. Yes, we do. We, and we I have a handheld yeah. three axis gimbal thing. And I was, the first thing I did was take the camera out and it slipped straight in there exactly the same as it did before. So there's no, at least there's, you know, thank you for not, uh, uh, redes- you know, redesigning the wheel there. Yeah. And, and there was definitely a, a, a thinking into, you know, making sure that a lot of um, our success as well has been in our mounts and our accessories. And we, we wanted to make sure that users who are, already had an abundance of uh, GoPro accessories from, you know, uh, from the three-way to the skeleton housings to the dive housings that um, – they were able to use those housings as well. You know, obviously we're always going to innovate with new stuff. We, you know, we just came out with the handler, which was basically um, a floating, uh, a floating capable handle um, that just came out with the release of the cameras as well. Um, And there's, you know, a new touch LCD. There's also a new back, um, an LCD battery backpack um, that's been optimized, um, and, and giving us a, a longer battery life uh, for for the newer cameras. Right. So there's a new Touch LCD. I've got one that I guess I've worked on my three. So there's a newer version uh, from from that. Yeah, there is. It's it's able to support um, some new gesture control that um, is similar to what the Silver has. There's some new swiping uh, gesture controls that are updated in the new LCD Touch uh, screen. Right. Yes, I certainly noticed. Uh, you know, you know. Congrats to the guys 
certainly an improved menu system and, and the swiping and to lock and unlock and I can see all that even with the LCD I've got now uh, to yeah it seems seem, seems to work really well it's, it's, it's a much easier way to navigate I haven't tried to do it without the uh, without the LCD yet, but uh, yeah, definitely with with it on board, you've, you've got that's a bit of a must. Yeah, that's what that that whole contextual menu, quick, basically the quick access that you know we had previously was just the Wi-Fi. Um, you can still turn and get access to the Wi-Fi by holding down the button, um, the basically the express button on the, on the side will yep. allow you to get back to Wi-Fi, but it's, it's it's definitely there to get into and out of the menu settings a lot faster. There's actually also an, an, another addition to the family. There's just the Hero, right? So there's a new version, the, the uh, entry level. Yeah, so uh, we're coming into um, the entry level Hero, which is... Um, Roughly about one twenty, you know, it's one twenty nine US, um, which is and, insane. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, you know, a, a bit different. It's uh, it's not a removal battery system. It's it's integrated. You know, the um, the micro SD and the charging port are on the back, but it's basically um, your you know it, sh- it shoots up to ten eighty thirty. It's it's very capable of of taking high res stills as well as high res. Um, uh, video and you know a lot of people were you know in the pro in the program you have you have people that are buying you know sixteen thirty sometimes seventy yeah. cameras yeah. and and the resolution and the quality that they need for either web series or uh, television commercials um, are are totally fine with shooting what that what the hero resolution would be at that 1080 30 um this also gives a lot of people uh, an entryway into the gopro market where previously they may have thought that it, it was a little bit too steep uh of a, a price entry to to get using what they've been seeing all their friends and everybody do so you yeah. know we, we came in with this and i, I just see it you know, hey, send the PA out um, and go go to Best Buy or go to the local um, uh, shop and, and grab a bunch of heroes because, you know, we need them last minute because we're going to rig, you know, we're going to rig up a car. We're going to rig up, uh, you know, an actor with a, a bunch of cameras for unique PO. Yeah, it's almost disposable at that price. <laughs> <laughs> for, for some, well, certainly for some productions, it is anyway. Um, okay, well, thank you, Jim. Thanks for taking the time. As I say, busy day for you. So, how can people find out more, and how can they contact you or follow you? Sure. Um, on social, I'm uh, at Filmbot on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um, obviously, you can follow uh, GoPro. We are at GoPro on pretty much all the social. GoPro. Keep your eyes peeled on GoPro.com for. Um, a lot more great footage from the Hero 4 series cameras as well as the Hero cameras. Um, and obviously, we're going to be putting out a lot more of the training that I'd mentioned earlier for uh, you know pretty much every user from the pro on down to the newbie. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, mate. Thanks for getting in touch. Yeah, thanks, Chase. Yeah, no, Jim's a great guy. And uh, thanks for that interview, Jace. 
Thank you, Jim. Okay, so where are we in our spectrum? So that's pretty high on my list because it's incredibly affordable, but we want to know where we are on the Wingrove scale of new camera release coolness. Well, this is definitely, and not just the camera release, but also a few other announcements from Sony that have been influenced by it and the whole sort of ecosystem it's it's now creating, I guess. The Sony FS7 is something we which was previously an unleaked camera by last episode, but uh, it came out at ABC officially, as we had as was IBC, fully mean? expected at IBC. Yep. Yes. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's every, everything as we had uh, imagined last time, which is a, a very small doco-style run-and-gun uh, version of the F55, basically. Um, uh, 4K, Super 35 sensor with the E-mount. Um, it's currently only Ultra HD, but will be full 4K capture uh, with a firmware update uh, in December. Uh, same dynamic range as the F5. It's pretty, let's just say it is the same sensor as F5. It's not, not been said as so, but let, yeah, it, we didn't, surely, surely it is. We didn't uh, have a price, though, because we just had the we photograph price. from offset. Um, and uh, I think the price is about 8000 without a lens, right? Yes, 8000 without a lens. And as part of the whole run and gun thing they've released, although I don't use zooms, but this is a very nice new zoom they've come out with. is a 28 to 135. I think it's a constant uh, F4. Uh, it's powered or manual zoom, very nice sort of cine, lightweight kind of cine zoom, really. It does actually cover full frame, so you can use it on something like the A7S if you wanted to. Um, but it is power or manual zoom, and it will suit the uh, re- the ergonomic um, sort of trigger a rocker zoom trigger handle thing that comes with the FS7, uh, and it actually is operated by that, and and uh, you can you can you know control the zoom completely and roll the camera and and have some custom functions on that hand grip as well. So it's um it's a very interesting camera, and the one plus for me would be that it has the E mount, which means I could put a speed booster on it, which means I could get a full frame look on a camera that has a very robust 240 megabits a second codec, which I'm already used to with the Sony F5. Um, it has 4K, so if you want to crop and, and you don't have to necessarily finish in 4K, but you've got the ability to do resize or stabilizing later without any real resolution hits if you're finishing in, in 1080. It'll shoot a 60... Currently, it's only Ultra HD, as I say, but it'll do that up to 60 frames a second or 4K up to 60, second, 60 frames a second um, with the firmware upgrade and go up to just like the um, F55, it'll go up to 180 frames a second in 10 uh, at, at, in uh, HD from 60 to 180 frames in in HD, and it has the ability like the FS700 um, and the F5 and 55 to add the uh, R5 raw recorder should you get one to go to that expense and have the uh, adapter and then the R5 raw recorder itself and then the slightly more expensive, well, the definitely more expensive uh, media for that, which allows you to record raw because it's a much, much, much higher bit rate. Now, we thought it was going to be $10,000 when we published the story yeah. on a- FX Guide on yeah. the 12th of September. AK for body only. I tell yeah. you, there's a lot of people. If I didn't have it, I, th- I think having... So I, I got I got a pre-production version of this camera, went out and shot the standard issue Wingrove uh, test chart of a C-pool at dawn, and that's up on Vimeo, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But uh, look, I was felt very much at home immediately with the camera. 
it's uh, exceeded my expectations in a fair few ways, um, and it answered a few questions for me in other ways. I I I um I knew I'd be impressed with the codec. Uh, I think it what it does is it, it's it. I guess when when you buy a Sony, when you buy when you buy a Cine, a cinema. Uh, in the Verticomas Sony camera, you do um, walk into a very much more complicated menu system <laughs> than, say, really oh, I didn't lend, say, something built in Europe, uh, shall we say. And you definitely are going more into cameras that are designed to give you, perhaps give you the, well, designed to get whether they do or not, give you the control to be able to uh, give more of a look in camera than say an Alexa or a mirror or maybe Alexa, let's just say Alexa um, to give you the um, the image to um, give you the look later in post. The only so, thing, the only but, thing I'd say uh, about the the camera is I know that you were saying that the that zoom was kind of interesting, which was the twenty eight to one hundred thirty five, right? Yeah, because the zoom is only like two and a half grand. So Except it is f four. Nothing like that. It is f four. It is f four, but it's a zoom. That's what kind of what zooms. Are. That's yeah, what I zooms just... like that sort of are. If you I... want to go a faster I... zoom, then you are heading into like the Angino and some of the Canon Cine zooms, and you are into very, very ten to twenty times that much more money than 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 two and a half grand for that price, and to be for it to be motorized and to uh, suit large large range of cameras. And to cover full frame is very, very impressive. And it's quite, I think it's quite light from memory. Uh, but was it, that what you were shooting with? It's not going to be like perhaps as optically amazing as... No, no, I purely just put the speed booster on the whole time. Yeah. I just wanted to see how it would fit in with the way I sh- more run and gun shoot. So what lens did you have on on the seat for? I had my dogshit optics, um, mm, six, yeah. 35, 50 and 85s, and I had... The my actually very very cheap little gem of a lens I think which is the Rokinon fourteen mil and I, I think, love that lens. Ah, oh, it's such a piece of plasticky nothing, but man, it. For, for I think what it a is, couple of other right. Rokinon lenses I put them on and I go, ugh, this I just feel dirty using it. But this little fourteen Rokinon, I don't know something about it. It's just it's bloody impressive and it covers full frame, um, which a lot a lot of those wider things like like say the. Um, yeah. Like the uh, the eleven to sixteen, you know, doesn't. So it's it. Uh, I think it, I was impressed with it in terms of uh, the you know it's got the codec. It records to the XQD cards, which are affordable. Um, great, you know, great data rate. It's good in low light. Um, great overcranking ability. But you know, like a lot of these, like a lot of these cameras, and Sony and the FS seven hundred, you are entering into a, 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 a more complicated menu system, and you know you've got buttons all over the place. It's far less buttons and far less crazily placed buttons than, say, the FS seven hundred. Uh, it's it's great ergonomically. It's very light. It's very well built. Was the other Im- impressive thing I felt that I was expecting for that price point and that functionality. I was expecting something to be quite cheap and creaky plastic and stuff. But man, the build quality is right up there with in, just in terms of the casing and and the you know the molding of the whole thing and and the, the weight of it and not say the weight of it but the that that sort of that build quality impression, I suppose you could you could call it, um, that it doesn't feel like it feels like if you if you you know bolted it into a rig that it that that that, that 
the the rig would be solid, but the camera would be wobbling. You know what I mean? That the body doesn't have flex in it. I think I was very impressed with all of that. The viewfinder is great. The FS seven hundred viewfinder was quite 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 annoying and weirdly placed, but I had no problem getting it nice and balanced on the shoulder easily. Um, with the, the viewfinder, it was nice and almost you know it's almost as good as say that the the LCD viewfinder I have on the uh, F5. Uh, the hand grip thing, oh, it's great. It's a great way to operate the camera, and it's good. I didn't find its placement to be nice, but I think, again, life will find a way there, and people will find different rigs and different ways of taking that handle and putting it perhaps in a, in a better position. Uh, but it's, I did found, find that I missed uh, on the F5. I'm very happy to have a little side panel there if I want to choose shutter, if I want to choose... Um, ISO. If I want to choose change change things, I just it is although much more complicated than an Alexa. Uh, it is much easier to just hit a little button and and, and you've got a little side panel and and it's very much easier to hit things. With the with the FS7, I feel it's one of those cameras that you have to own and customize and get very comfortable with it and spend a lot of time getting it right in the setup beforehand and make, give yourself the preset options before you go out and shoot and then you switch them easily as you go rather than want to sort of change one little thing here and there because you know you do have to dig through the menu and, and you can't it's not something you can just do on a side panel you have to do it through the viewfinder and it's very much then you have to have the little side handle with the jog shuttle little jog jog joy joy button thing on on the handle so it's it is fiddlier to do many changes to the way it works on the fly um but if again if you've got to set it up and you spend some time and you customize it and you personalize it in advance it's one of those cameras i think the more you use it the more you'll get used to it and the more you can can get it to um set it up the way you like to work if that makes sense Hmm. but but it's less I feel less easier to to change stuff on the fly, but again, you know, it depends on the shooting style. I think just be prepared for that, and I think it's one of those things that you need to have a bit of you need to have a bit of time with it. I wouldn't necessarily rush out and buy the thing. I think personally, it's one of those cameras that you need to to borrow, get speak to your reseller, get one, try it. I think it's going to suit. I think it it clearly is. There's nothing like it around at the moment. An ergonomic camera that does that with the codex, with the you know, it's 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 going to be just right for an awful lot of people for for run and gun and for I mean for wedding and for corporate and for um, documentary and, and stuff and um, yeah and it, it, obviously it has the E mount which gives you all that opens up that whole world of a million adapters and metabones adapters for virtually there's probably isn't a lens you couldn't couldn't put on on that you can put PL you can put yeah you know, a lot a lot of things on there um, quite solidly I think so it's it's a camera I want to have a bit more time with. Uh, certainly for the money, it is absolutely outstanding. It, uh, I, in my opinion, just even on specs alone, kicks the C100 and C300 to the curb and, and steals its lunch money and um, mm. uh, then go home, goes home and shits in its bed, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and I'm, I, I'm presume it's Sony, uh, I presume Canon aren't at this time. Um, currently having very um, a lot of intense meetings about uh, what they do to um, counteract, uh, no doubt, a, a huge loss in sales to people pre-ordering this one. 
because I think it definitely is a big answer. It's a big shout back to something like the C300, which is a very popular camera. Yeah, no, I think it's really, really good. I, I, I wouldn't put that zoom on it myself. No, um, no sure, but, sure. but uh, for yeah, a lot no. of people, for reality TV or doco, people like like zooms when stuff changes like that. Uh, again, I'm not a zoom guy, but you know, again, the full size XLRs, uh, a very ergonomically positionable uh, viewfinder system. You know, uh, onboard mic mount, onboard microphone. It's, yeah, it, built-in you know, NDs and everything else. Yeah, good codec. Yeah. You know, hey, um, I know so, you wanted to have words about this, so I don't understand quite exactly what. Yes. Um, but the F5 4K upgrade program, come on. Oh, yes, I do. Okay, well... Um, I, I will let you have the floor, sir, because... Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, you seem really interested in this. Well, it, it, because... And we talked about... I think we talked about last app that um, Paul Reams had uh, managed to uh, have find a workaround in the the yeah. settings files, the all files of, this, of, of the F5, to... Um, Turn, basically switch on the 4K mode, which was previously was we were not told, but we were sort of it was alluded that it was perhaps it was not mechanically electronically possible. But uh, uh, I this uh, so basically what I guess what it's, it's somewhat accelerated um, an official program from from Sony to give the F5 users uh, an official 4K upgrade path. So there's a program now for uh, 900 or basically a grand, 1000 bucks in December to allow you to have full access to to 4K recording uh, and some of course something that the 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 workaround never did which was give you uh, internal playback and basically switch on all the functionality apart from the uh, global shutter, of course, that the F55 had. Basically, switch on all the except all the all the abilities and frame rates that the F55 does. Uh, which is, you know, I'm I'm I would prefer it. Perhaps it was cheaper, or if it was actually free, uh, given the fact that uh, we've got 50% of this functionality for free now. Um, I guess it's just to have the have it havoc sanctioned. So uh, what I did need to, to say that I guess last time I sort of alluded to I, I kind of alluded to the fact that maybe Sony had you know changed their mind about doing the 4K upgrade that was sort of rumored changed their mind. We hadn't heard anything about the ProRes upgrade. Where's that? What you know? What's happening? Are they changing their minds? But these things are coming, as are the, the ProRes upgrade, ProRes and, and Avid DNX HD upgrades. The ProRes and DNX HD uh, upgrade for uh, a five or fifty-five uh, is two thousand two hundred and fifty. Um, I guess you really have to be working for shows that that really demand this this codec. Uh, I think because I, I guess testament to the XAVC codec, it now has quite a good foothold and it's very drag and drop. And no one, I don't get any complaints with people wanting to use it. So I don't quite have the people clamoring for ProRes in my world that they did before the XABC came out and when we were in the red world when, when I got a lot of pushback on on the huge data rate and, and the transcoding and all, all of the post-gotchas that came out of the red uh, and still do perhaps out of the R3D codec and, and the data overhead and the, the, the hardware needed to chug through it and, and render it. So, but if you're in, if you if you're trying to get your camera into into shows that are very ProRes and DNX HD heavy, 
and and demanding of that codec, then then this is this is a no brainer. It is a it is expensive because there is also a hardware. Unlike the 4K upgrade for the F5, there is a hardware component to this. You will need to have bring take your camera into a service center and have a uh, a board installed. Um, but that that is that is it basically. I uh, don't think it does. 4K though, in terms of the ProRes, I think all the ProReses are more of the 1080 uh, flavor. So yeah, but I, I I guess it was just an interesting. It was an interesting. Yes, they the 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 the, the 4K upgrade for the F5 was always kind of mumbled about that it that it would be eventually part of the path. But uh, I think we have. Um, Paul Paul Rims from the Extra Shot podcast to thank for, shall we say, accelerating the process. Yeah. Uh, I think and 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 interestingly timed along with the uh, uh, the release of the FS7. So it's interesting time. I think it I think it has quelled some of the dis, some of the. Um, uh, I guess dissenting voices from F- people who have bought F fives, um, and 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 maybe ha- has will will keep people owning those cameras and stop them selling to go to the FS seven. Uh, I think if you currently own the F five, maybe go out and play with the FS seven before you sell it, because I think you'll find, as I did, that you that the FS7 isn't the F5 or 55 killer that perhaps I thought it was when I, before I got to chance play with the camera. I don't think mean that the FS7 is any less of a camera, but I think there's more to a camera than just the fact that it the than that the specs are the same, you know, there's, ah, more, which, to, there's which, more to it than just the fact that it does 1080. It does it does 4K and it does 240 megabits. It, it does the you know, it has the right codec and, and things. There's more to the general use everyday use of a camera and how efficient you might be and and how you get your imagery than than more to it than just uh, oh well it's a cheaper camera at the same specs I'll just sell mine and get that so that brings me I, to the new segment for the week which is picking up on what we did last time on the show where yeah. I was twittering out during the show saying has anyone got any questions oh so we have questions that have been coming yeah, in while done. you've been talking okay. Uh, so I'm going to call it three questions in three minutes because we can't go on for forever. Um, <laughs> Already have. So question number one from yes. Tom. Will the Arja uh, Scion camera ever see the light of day? That's the C-I-O-N camera that uh, is shown at uh, NAB, um, if you recall, mm. Jace. And, I uh, am, when is this meant to come out? I'm keen to see it. Yes, I, uh, look, my first thoughts of the Scion at... Um at NAB was it was great. I think it would be lovely. It's such a, a beautifully designed and compact camera, and they've really thought about a lot of things in the ergonomics. So are we talking about the same camera, the Scion. Yeah, you, you really like you really like it. I liked I liked a lot about it. I thought it was. Oh. Have you a, seen the show reel, like the the demo reel they posted? The thing that looks like a Swedish porn film without any I'm, one taking their clothes off. I'm talking purely about ergonomics, okay. not the shagadelic video or the you know the fact. Let's walk around the, in a sailor's the, outfit pretending to take yeah, photos with an old stills camera. It's not. Yeah, imagery is another thing. And I, as as I said at the time at NAB, proof of the pudding of this camera will be let's see some footage properly and let's get this thing out. Let's see what it really does um, because the, again there's a rumors that it was using some of the using the sensor from 
the uh, black magic camera which is you know it's, it's has got its issues so uh 12 I, stops 444 ProRes, mm, no log recording option yeah uh, and the demo footage just you know here's the thing you, just give me a yes or no on this you're putting out footage from a new camera graded or not graded on the when you put out the demo reel graded naturally there you go i think corrected so. that's what i think this, yeah this footage just looks like it's not graded. It's like oh, hey, it's just completely flat. Yeah, let's let's not impress people. No, you need to sort and, of make and it. And is a company that normally impresses the pants off me, but they just didn't impress me with that. Yeah. So look, you know, uh, jury's still out until we see this camera. Uh, I, I want to see. I want to see it can do. I'm I'm interested ergonomically in the camera. It looks like they've done some nice things design wise, but I think they've probably like as this is again. This is a post last we saw with 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 Blackmagic. This is. This is a post-production equipment company doing their first camera. And like Blackmagic and like everybody before and the crazy billionaires um, before them, the, the task of building a camera is uh, far bigger than you think it is. And I'm sure their deadlines and all the feedback they got from NAB have perhaps pushed this thing backwards. Okay, and, three minutes uh, are up. So and for a better. Question two. Yes. Is Blackmagic working on an IMAX camera for NAB 2015? And this is coming from Presknik, um, which I think could be Presky. I don't know. Anyway, um, so Preston. I don't think we know. Um, he's a cinematographer. No, they are as tight as uh, a fish's asshole, as they say. I would say. As tight that as a drum. They are, like, s- they are like Apple in terms of yeah. keeping things to themselves. I would say that they're interested in taking things to a wide market. So an IMAX camera, um, I think you could possibly have a high-resolution camera. Or a full frame. But not something aimed at the IMAX market, IMAX being a trademark of the IMAX Corporation. I don't think they're going to be interested in making a limited run. Like, for example, the ARRI we already established, limited run only for, um, I don't know why I'm answering this, you meant to be, but anyway, uh, it's only a limited run because they're not making gazillions of them. Not, Not something Blackmagic is traditionally interested in. No, but also Blackmagic have always been more for the masses, have taken higher-end technology and made it more accessible. If you look at what they, they basically did, um, taken, mm. taken higher, the higher-end cinematography kind of look but put it more in the hands of, say, corporate, the corporate shooter so, uh, or the doco shooter or run-and-gun guy. So if you follow how, what they've done every NAB, which is start off with micro four-thirds side sensors and then the next one they've come up with with Super 35 sensors, so I'd love to see something you know, full frame for them, not necessarily IMAX, but uh, I'm sure I'd love to see them working on a full frame side of things and elevate, lift their sensors uh, every time and uh, hopefully get a little bit less noise and, and uh, yeah, learning, learning from the process. And, so, and sub-question, do you think, therefore, that there's... Oh, we don't know. Take John Brawley out and get him drunk, really, really, really drunk. And, and move to medium format cameras. But he's the only person. Do you think there's going to be a move to medium format cameras in the way, um, like you know, how, like DSLRs became kind of the thing? Is mm. everybody having digital mid format cameras the next natural step, or is it just not thus? Because you know, as you said, there is depth of field. There's a whole bunch of things that it's not necessarily. Well, be careful what you wish for. I think full frame is certainly something to to, to wish for. And st- I mean, if you look at, we only had Super Thirty Five. If you look at stills cameras like the 7D, a lot of them only had smaller sensors mm-hmm. because that was what was practical and that was what was – all of that was always a compromise based on what we had before in terms of stills, which was a full frame. It's called full frame because that's what it was. If you had loaded a roll of 35mm even in your happy snappy, you got a larger 
piece of negative than than anything like the seven D. Uh, you know, that was always I guess it's a compromise, but somehow it kind of became the norm, and somehow the full frame became the upgrade. But I'd like to see a, a sort of normalizing and a return back to full frame, not necessarily necessarily for for cinema, but of course I will definitely love that, but a, a, a normalising of that stills cameras could let's all bring, you know, slowly come back to, to full frame, back to what 135mm one, one was. Okay, last question in our three for thir- three. Um, Feel free to answer these yourself, of course, Mike. No, 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 I think people want to know your opinion. <laughs> I am but a vessel for which you pour your Don't creative juices. Stopping now. Um, Okay, so question three, and Justin actually asked this last week, but we didn't get it. Well, last time we didn't get it in the um, in the last show. Um, what's your advice on public liability insurance when oh. people are indie filmmakers and doing stuff around the place? Because you obviously shoot stuff as a production company sometimes. I um, generally shoot something through a company, and they always have it. And I don't. I, I mean, I think I, I know I do have it myself, but largely I'm relying on other people's insurance. So, what's what? What's my thoughts on it? Do you need insurance? I mean, I, uh, I don't have any insurance on my gear, but I certainly no, want to make is public liability insurance. I have five million uh, yes. on my shoots. Yes, and there's some we we're talking this week about whether to take it at ten or twenty. Right. But, um, it's obviously a very country-specific thing, but is to have it or not, or how much you should have. Well, I mean, I'll, certainly I'll here, it, it's very hard. Know. Even as a, even as an indie, even as a, even as a student film or as a non-profit stuff. Even if you're not necessarily paying for locations, or if you want to shoot anywhere, most, most, at least here in Australia, most locations won't let you in the door at last, at least without public liability. They might get you. They might let you in without, you know, for. For for no or low fee, but they certainly would insist on uh, their their owners, or be it like a a stately home or a government owned property, won't let you in. Even if they're not charging you, they wouldn't let you in the door without without some kind of public liability. Even if you want to just go and shoot hmm. in a park and get a permit for fifty dollars to go and shoot something in a park for student film for for, for half a day, I'm sure because you mark you doing this stuff all the time more more yeah, than setting up shoots more than I am actually physically. I'm I'm rolling up as a hired hand more more than you're actually. So yeah. you're seeing this day to day, right? Yeah, we um, we had a shoot because we just released the new term over at FX PhD, and we're going to have an interview uh, with Ben Allen, who's doing the. Shitting with natural light uh, course this term. But um, my reason for bringing this up is on the O-Week video, which you can uh, see, it's on the website. It's like uh, the rundown of what's in the term. You'll see that John opens uh, the October term with a drone shot. So the drone shot's coming across the beach. Does he fly into his head? It it flew into the building next to him, yeah, literally. (laughs) Um, Not in the take we used, but uh, in the uh, first rehearsal. It literally Seriously. ran into the uh, the building. Seriously. No, no harm done because it was a small drone. But yeah, right. I mean, drones bring, bring a world of possibility for public liability insurance. A camera drop on your head, it would. Yeah, uh, that's another whole. That's another whole episode uh, in itself, and it's a very, very varied one depending on 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 where you shoot. Uh, look, yeah, public life. I'm, I'm not very, not really the one to answer that question. But I certainly know that even if you don't have money for, even if you don't have money for, to buy a rental location, uh, you certainly need uh, to have the, uh, to have some sort of coverage. Um, that that's probably almost like your minimum thing. That and sandwiches, and and um, the rest you can beg, borrow, and steal. 
Now, there's a couple of other questions that have been coming in, but we'll hold them over for next time. And as I say, okay. we'll have another interview uh, coming up with Ben Allen on shooting with natural light because it really is a phenomenally interesting topic, uh, crafting light. Because it's not shooting without lighting, it's just shooting with available light. It's a, it's a huge difference, um, and I'm looking forward to having that discussion. But there's a couple of other really serious things we want to touch on this week. Um, one of them is a shout-out. Um, Michael Scott is a great uh, oh, yes. supporter of FX uh, Guide and FX PhD. He's also a personal friend. And uh, Michael was um, basically walking back uh, from dinner at a post house in L.A., and a car jumped the curb and pinned him against a, uh, a concrete wall, which has um, fractured his skull and caused an enormous amount of uh, uh, damage. He was therefore hospitalized and uh, is in serious cyanide. And there is a, um, a fund to help Michael with his medical bills. Now, I said in Twitter, and I say it again now, there are obviously a lot of things that we can donate money to in the world. All I can say is that of the many things that um, one might donate to, and there are many very good causes, I just know that if anything happened to me, Michael would be front of a queue um, to donate money to uh, to help me out if I was in the same position that he is. So already hundreds of people have donated. Um, the website uh, is, let me just get that for a second. But you, you know Michael, right? Um, yeah, of course. And uh, he's I mean, very well, much very much part of FX, FX PhD and guy. I think he's done a fair few episodes of FX, FX show, FX show. Yeah. Uh, you may know him as Dorkman Scott um, because that was his Twitter handle. And also you may know him for his amazing uh, stuff that he did certainly in the early days with the uh, Star Wars um Fight stuff, but it, just to want to make sure I got the URL right. It's Michael Scott Fund, so all one word, Michael Scott Fund dot com. If you go to Michael Scott Fund dot com, it'll go to the uh, GoFundMe um, uh, campaign that's been set up for that. Um, a lot of you, I look quite frankly, I know because there's a unless you've non, non, uh, donated anonymously, your name is on the on the roll there, and I know a lot of you personally. I I mean literally, I maybe 30 or 40, 50 people on this list I would uh, call friends. So you guys have obviously already contributed. But if you are in a position to be able to help Michael out, I, I can't solve all the problems in the world. I just know we might be able to solve the problems of one really good filmmaker who uh, is really the kind of guy that's the heart and soul of the indie filmmaking that we often talk about here on the RC. So if you're in a position to help him, um, please do. And yeah. already his sister's posted on there just how uh, touched they are for all the support that they've, they've had. So uh, thank you guys so okay. much for that. Yes, michaelscottfund.com. Just horrendous idea that, you know, just walking along, literally hit by a bus type of thing, Jason. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. Oh, I live in dread of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, you just, you know, literally need to, um, I think somebody more clever than me once said that uh, that life doesn't have a second take. And, uh, you know, you just hear about that stuff. And obviously, you know, any problems you have in that week suddenly become very unimportant uh, and there's a double tragedy always in the states because you have you have the impact of of course the the injury but then you have the uh, medical um insanity there which yes, of course that we is don't again have. another whole podcast in itself again absolutely so that's yeah did you you say there was another thing you need to mention um no i was just gonna well the other second big thing is just a shout out to my business partner jeff huser who's uh now as some of you will know from Facebook, has been ill and uh, he's back home again. And I know he listens to the RC. And uh, while I don't want to discuss Jeff's medical stuff, he's posted some stuff on Facebook. If you follow him, you'll know what I'm talking about. And obviously, uh, constantly uh, been thinking about Jeff and want to wish him well. And uh, yeah, Jeff yeah. is uh, is one of my best friends in the world. So uh, good man. Give me a shout out. Um, that's it for me. Did you have a um? Uh, a Twitter thing or a uh, 
URL thing. Um, I did a very. I, I I purely in light of those two, it seems pointless now. But I said I mentioned it earlier on in the show uh, for in terms of GoPro wireless, um, GoPro charging, mm-hmm. and GoPro batteries. There is a, a Kickstarter. That's why it wouldn't really last until next episode because there is a, a Kickstarter. If you go to Kickstarter and search for Jolt, uh, it's a little wireless. Yeah, like that sort of proximity charging thing where you just lay lay something down on a mat. Someone cleverly has done something for GoPro where you uh, put your GoPros and you can keep them inside there, keep them inside their um, uh, inside their casings, which is good because obviously it's a bit of a pain to take them out and and completely a pain to get the batteries in and out. But uh, yeah, there's a um, Kickstarter now for a very cool wireless charging uh, option for GoPros. And it looks like it's going to get funded. I'd say it's got 24 days to go, and it's it's a quarter of the way there. But I think there's there's enough people behind this; it should go. I think it got a uh, Kickstarter staff pick as well, which always helps raise it in the profile. So that's good. Yeah. So okay. and I don't think it's not very expensive at all. Um, if you've uh, yeah, I think it's worth definitely worth having a look at. Well, guys, uh, links in the show notes. Thank you guys so much uh, for being with us here on the show. If I didn't get to you in the Twitters, um, we'll get to you uh, next time. Some of the stuff that so many people have asked is probably maybe better off over at uh, FX Guide or FX PhD. But yeah, hey, we'll try yeah. and answer everything we possibly can. And there's, a, there's definitely gear here as well that we haven't had a chance to, to get to today. And uh, we'll, we'll promise we'll, we should do the, uh, the uh, October issue sometime in December ish. No, no, we'll do the October issue uh, later this month. Yeah, uh, cool. we, uh, we definitely Please. will, yes. Okay, thanks so much Thank for being with us, guys. Jace, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, thanks, Mike. Get well, Jeff. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Send your questions or comments to rc at fxguide.com. Copyright 2011, FX Guide, LLC.